This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And today we're joined by Craig Earlham in London. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? I'm really good, mate. How are you? I'm fine, although it's quite a sobering day, really, isn't it? With the escalating political situation on the Ukraine-Russia border hitting markets today. We've seen in Hong Kong the Hang Seng down 3%. The Nikkei closed nearly 2% lower. European markets are down as well. Oil prices climbing on fears that the crisis will disrupt supply chains across the world. And just looking at the numbers, Brent crude is very near that $100 mark, just around about $98.5, $99 a barrel. That's a seven-year high. This is a big story, and it looks like we're now entering a completely different phase in the geopolitical cycle after two years of COVID. Yeah, it's effectively playing out as the West has been warning for a number of weeks now, to be honest. They suggested at the time that Russia is going to create a false pretext for war. And whether it's false or not, that's effectively what we've seen play out now in eastern Ukraine. We've seen more fighting. We've seen claims from both sides, both of which have been denied by the other side. And now, suddenly, we have Vladimir Putin recognising two self-proclaimed separatist republics in eastern Ukraine. So this is a massive escalation, and this seems to be now the pretext to allow forces to enter into eastern Ukraine, as Putin suggests, on a peacekeeping mission. But I think, obviously, there's a lot of doubt around what the actual mission there is going to be. It just seems to be this natural next step that we've all been uh, concerned about for some time, and that's going to lead to further escalations again it looks like we are now going to see sanctions, etc. So we're seeing that risk-averse move in the markets that has already been happening now for uh, some time. Oil prices, as you say, are spiking. It looks as though we're not too far now from $100 a barrel, and it's very much heading in a very strong upward trajectory. Natural gas prices as well, we're already seeing big moves today. We also saw big moves yesterday also. And then we look at equity markets, a negative start to the week, carrying now over into Tuesday. Gold, $1,900 Bitcoin back at $37,000. We're seeing these big risk-averse safe haven plays and also bonds as well, which I think is another interesting area which maybe isn't getting quite so much attention. We're seeing bonds being favoured as havens. That's not unusual in itself. But the question is, what does this mean ultimately for central banks and what the markets are pricing in from central banks? Does it mean that markets believe that central banks will be more cautious in their tightening policy? And that's at a time when we're seeing oil prices looking as though they're going to move to $100 a barrel. Inflationary. It's a very confusing moment. It's going to be really interesting to see how things now play out over the next few days, both in terms of the West response to what Russia has done overnight, which is obviously intended to generate a response from the West, but then also what Russia is going to do next and how quickly they're going to move. It's not so long ago that people were excited about the idea of a blinking Lavrov discussion on Thursday and the fact that that could lead to a diplomatic solution in the Ukraine. Well, is that even going to happen now, given the latest moves from Russia? It seems like that's probably less likely. We've got a lot to learn now over the next few days, and one thing's clear, the markets are in risk-averse mode, and it's going to take some time to find what the correct response is going to be and to find where the levels are based on what we're seeing because these are very unique times. So, Craig, you're suggesting that the US Fed may peg back some of its 
interest rate rises. I think last week we were talking about seven, weren't we? How many interest rate rises are we not going to have now? I mean, a difficult question. And maybe when is the next likely rise? Is that going to be delayed by a month? No, I don't think it's going to be delayed. I think the likelihood now of a 50 basis point uh, rate hike is probably less. And I do think we are going to see slightly pared back expectations for the markets. But I'd say there's two things to point out here, one of which I mentioned earlier, which is finding this balance in this market at a time when inflation is already high and oil prices and natural gas prices are rising, which is going to create further inflationary pressures. Is that an environment where expectations for rate hikes can be pared back? Is the is the Fed going to give way to high inflation because of a conflict in Ukraine? I'm not necessarily so sure. But a flip side to that is the markets have priced in so much already that the Fed can still raise rates aggressively and deal with inflation and also just not raise quite as aggressively as what the markets are pricing. Can we honestly say that four to five rate hikes this year wouldn't be the Fed dealing with inflation? Of course it would be. But the markets were starting to price in six, maybe even seven. So you can pair back market expectations and still have quite an aggressive tightening cycle that both deals with inflation, but also doesn't create additional headwinds for the economy, given what we could potentially now get as a result of this conflict in the Ukraine. And also higher interest rates plus much higher energy prices. Uh, We're seeing oil approach $100, as you said. Uh, Gas as well could be a threat. That leads to more inflation. This is going to hit the global economy anyway and could lead to a recession because it is one of those ways that you can peg back inflation by increasing rates, but it actually might have the reverse effect. Exactly. And um, I guess this is where I was saying earlier about how it's going to be interesting to see how the market starts to position themselves over the course of this week. Not only are we going to learn more about what the what the point of the announcement yesterday evening was from Vladimir Putin and whether this is the pretext for an invasion or whether this is Putin wanting the West to take them seriously. Because there is the other argument as well, which is that this move doesn't necessarily mean, it looks as though it means we're going to see troops crossing the border. It looks as though we're going to see the the first move towards an invasion that the West has been talking about for some time. But this could also be, um, this could also be Putin wanting the West to take them seriously because they have their demands with regards to Ukraine and NATO membership and they want to be taken as seriously as possible going into these negotiations. Ultimately, Putin wants the West to believe that they will invade while telling the West that they have no intention to invade. And this feels like it could be a step towards that. So the mar- it's going to be interesting to see this week of, uh, how the markets start to position themselves because as we keep talking about... This isn't just geopolitics. Because of the environment we're in, uh, because in this post-pandemic era when we've got very high oil prices, very high natural gas prices, very high inflation, this is a completely different problem. This is a problem where um, this is inflationary and central banks are trying to deal with inflation and they may have to support the economy and all of this creates an additional squeeze on household budgets, on businesses, which could tip us into recession. Uh, and it seems that we're always, it, it's always like a fine line on, on every on every move, which is why every time we get a single extra rate hike priced into the markets, it does cause a wobble because people are concerned about at which point are we tipping ourselves over the edge. We are living right on the edge at this point in time. And there's so much uncertainty about what the next six six months will bring. There's something like this, which brings conflict, which brings geopolitical risk, which brings higher prices again, uh, could be that thing that tips the global economy 
uh, over the edge. So as I say, it's going to be really interesting to see how the markets start to price this in this week. Not so much with equity markets. You can see the negativity uh, flow there is, uh, as usual. And like I say, commodity markets. I think bond markets is going to be really, really interesting because of that trade-off between dealing with inflation and supporting a global economy that more and more people may be thinking could be on the verge of being tipped into recession. And there's a terrible irony, isn't there, that uh, on the day that uh, Vladimir Putin announced Russia's recognition of these rebel regions was the same day that Boris Johnson announced the end of all COVID restrictions in the UK this coming Thursday. One war seemingly over, but sadly another one looking on the way. I mean, it, doesn't it just feel like that's been the case since 2007 that we've just gone from one crisis to another and then to the next and then to the next and this just feels like the next in the line ultimately? I don't think it's coincidental though. I think if you are Vladimir Putin and you want ironclad assurances from the West that NATO is never going to invite uh, the Ukraine into the club and vice versa and that you are that there is always going to be that separation between the two then taking advantage of this situation seems to if you're thinking from Russia's perspective is um, may just make sense taking advantage of very tight natural gas markets in Europe that seem prices soaring, taking advantage of soaring uh, oil prices, taking advantage at a time when the economy is teetering on the edge in recovery mode, seeing high inflation if you're Vladimir Putin, you're looking. You may maybe you're looking at that, and you're saying this is the perfect opportunity to take advantage of that situation, and uh, and push Europe and push NATO into uh, into an agreement that five years ago and five years from now they wouldn't even consider doing, but they may be forced to consider offering some assurances, probably not guarantees that they want. Russia saying that they want absolute ironclad guarantees that Ukraine will never ever join NATO. He's not going to get those guarantees, but that doesn't mean he won't get some guarantees in terms of they won't join NATO for the next five years, they won't join NATO for the next 10 years, or something in and around which is um, obviously far more uh, specific. Uh, and I think that is ultimately why what Vladimir Putin is after, and I think what we're probably seeing here is a situation in which they're taking advantage of the environment that we're currently in as a result of the pandemic. So like I said, I don't think it's coincidence that we're going from one uh, crisis into another at this point. What you've just said seems um, borderline optimistic in a way, Craig. You're suggesting that Putin has a plan and uh, has gained this situation and is taking advantage in this sort of post-COVID world. But what worries some commentators is this is a desperate measure from a desperate man. I think he does have a plan. And I, I think... I, I, I think we've seen this playing out for a number of months. There's a reason why Russia hasn't been significantly increasing gas flows to Europe, for example, because they want to ensure that the market remains tight. They want to they want to maintain the leverage. At the time, everyone thought it was about Nord Stream 2 pipeline and getting that over the line and pressuring Europe into approving a pipeline that will enable Russia to send more gas and alleviate the crisis in the winter. Um, but it, it, maybe that wasn't the case. Perhaps that was part of the plan, but perhaps there was a, a broader... Uh, a broader strategy in place and that's what we're seeing ultimately play out now but ultimately what we have is a situation where we know that Vladimir Putin can be incredibly unpredictable we know uh, that you can't say with any certainty where the line will be drawn and how far 
he will go in order to try and get what he wants. And ultimately, it's uncertainty that the market really hates. I think there's many different ways that this could now play out over the course of the coming weeks, but I don't think it's in any way clear which direction of travel it's going to take. And the old adage goes, the markets hate uncertainty. Well, we're seeing that's clearly evident today. And talking of gas, the latest numbers, UK natural gas futures up 6%. Before I let you go, Craig, what else should we look out for for the rest of today and the rest of the week? It's really hard to look away from the Ukraine, let's be honest. I think that is really the driving force in the markets at this point in time. So uh, I think it's impossible to look away from that. Obviously, we've got the US coming back from bank holiday today, so they're going to be coming back to quite the shock in the markets. But we've got, so we've got things like PMIs coming from the US um, today. We've got things like the monetary policy report hearing from the UK tomorrow, which we'll cover in tomorrow's podcast. Um, but like I say, it's impossible to look away from the Ukraine right now because it is such a driving force in the markets. Yes, there's going to be focus on various policymakers and what they're talking about with regards to inflation, given how much of an important driver that has been in the markets over the course of this year. But really, like I say, it's, it's so hard to think about anything apart from what's happening in Ukraine right now because it's so obvious that is what's dictating where the markets are moving across the board. OK, Craig, thanks very much for joining us. Speak to you again soon. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.